0: Father, we consecrate this time to You through Your Son, Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. ask You to please bless us now. Just ask that the love that You always pour out upon us might penetrate our hearts and our souls and our minds. That You would renew us, make us new. You promise and Your word that you make all things new, Jesus. We trust. Trust that you would come. Make us new. Give us a new relationship with reality by transforming our minds and hearts. Mother Mary, we consecrate ourselves to you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen the words in the name of the father and the son and the and holy spirit amen the first words in the G- in, of jesus and the gospel of mark does anybody know what he says the gospel what was it repent right repent and believe in the gospel the first words of jesus in the gospel and repent means to turn away from sin we said that yesterday at some point right that there's nothing glorious or glamorous about sin sin makes us miserable it's good to remember when you're about to sin that when i sin i choose unhappiness that's what sin is it's me choosing unhappiness why would we choose unhappiness because it presents itself as happiness this will make you happy if you do it we choose it so remember there's that moment of choice before you're about to commit a sin right so just remember thinking or, or imagine me going don't do it. You know, It's like that moment of choice. Oh, if I choose this, I'm choosing my own unhappiness. Why would we choose our own unhappiness? It's the virtuous life, right? So repent means to turn away from sin. Every time we turn from sin, we turn to God. That's where my happiness lies, right? Fulton Sheen said one time, um, every time we sin, it's like we're, we're at the judgment seat and Pilate asks, right, would you like Barabbas or Jesus? every time we sin it's like we're saying render unto me barabbas right so let's not do that let's choose let's choose jesus but there's a second meaning of the word repent and it's from the greek metanoia when, when jesus says repent he's say, saying it in a third person plural metanoiete and it's beautiful right meta is and meta and nous is how the word's broken down nous is the greek word for mind And meta, think of metaphysical, it's beyond or outside. So when Jesus says repent, he's not just saying turn away from sin and turn to God. That's wonderful and beautiful and awesome. But it's deeper than that. It's more than that. What he's saying is go beyond, outside of the mind that you have. And take on an entirely new way of thinking and being and acting. Metanoiete, be transformed. By the renewal of your minds, the renewal of your hearts. That's what God desires for us. Like we've said before, Christianity is not just following the rules and not doing this. It's about total transformation of our minds and hearts, right? So that's what we want to continue to pray for. I told you last night I played football in college and I was the fifth-string quarterback. I was the fourth-string quarterback about my sophomore year and I had no chance of seeing the field. And I didn't really care. I liked being the backup, you know? I was there on a free ride. All my schooling was being paid for. I hardly knew the plays. It's easy to be the backup, right? It's easy to sit on the sidelines. It's easy to check out. It's hard to stay engaged. It's hard to be the guy. It's hard to be there, right? So I was the fourth string quarterback, and the starting quarterback transferred out. So I went from fourth string to third string. And I still had no chance of playing, no chance of seeing the field. And I was very content with that, right? Sitting on the sidelines, just criticizing the starters, right? <laughs> it's very easy to do. In a week before our biggest game, we had an inter-squad scrimmage. Our team played our team. We practiced against each other. It was just a practice, but it was a, like a game. And the starting quarterback dropped back to pass, and he, he threw an interception. And he went to tackle the guy, right? And we sh- he shouldn't have been doing that because we're quarterbacks and we don't tackle, you know? And he, he blew his rotator cuff tore his shoulder so all of a sudden I went from fourth string to third string to second string you know and most guys would be like woohoo I might play I was like oh no I might play (laughs) this is not good well the very next play one play after another the very next play my other buddy dropped back to pass and he went to throw deep and a defensive end came and grabbed his arm just as he was extending his arm and boom he blew his rotator cuff so all of a sudden, I go from fourth string to third string to second string to first string. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Except I didn't say shoot, right? And I was sitting on the end of the bench, and I'll never forget it. The head coach came through all the linemen, right? My last name's Freedy. Came through all the big linemen. I was sitting on the bench, right? He had my helmet on. I was like trying to hide behind my face mask, you know? like anyone see And he came through all the guys, and he looked right at me. He said, Freedy. And I went, What? <laughs> he said, You're in. You're in. And I, I said, When? <laughs> he said, Now. You're in right now. Ladies, I just sense that that's what the Lord's saying to us that you're in now that now is the time for us to be engaged, for you to be engaged. There came a time in the scriptures where Jesus was doing the miracles and Jesus was doing the teaching and Jesus doing the healing. And then about chapter four, I think it's in the Gospel of Mark. About chapter four, he gathers his disciples around him. He gathers, now you know, I'm like a coach when I talk a lot, right? You know why now. He gathers everybody around him and what's he say? He says, guys, all these things you've seen me doing? They're like, yeah, it's been awesome. It's been so cool. He's like, now you go do them. They're like, come again? (laughs) Can you run that by me one more time? Like, it's been great to see you do all this. But guess what, fellas? You're in. Ladies, you're in. You're in. The time of the sidelines is over. He's now saying to you, you're in. See, that's what the saints got. That's what Mother Teresa got. When Mother Teresa, the only difference between the saints and between us is when God pointed at them and grabbed them and seized them and said, You're in. They said, Okay. That's the only difference. The only difference is the saints say, Yes. Mother Th- Teresa simply said, Yes. She looked around at the poorest of the poor in every corner of the world. She said, Somebody better do something about this. And God said, Yes, somebody better. You're in, Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. She said, okay, started with one leper, pulled that one leper off the street. Pulled that one leper off the street. St. Damien of Molokai, right? I was just in Hawaii giving a conference. It's a tough life. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's like I have to go bear the burden of the gospel to the people of Hawaii. It's like, I will do it, Lord. I will pick up my cross and follow you. I'm always tre- <laughs> anyways. What happened? Damien of Molokai. He looked at the lepers. Somebody has to stand up for them. Somebody has to care. Somebody has to do something about the lepers. God says, Yeah, you're in. And he responded, Mother Luisita, right? The founder of these Carmelites. You're in. He said, Yes, our own blessed mother. You're in. She said, Fiat. Fiat. See, we're in. We're called to be in. You're called to be in in your vocations. I'm called to be in. In in the particular ways that God calls us to be in, the particular circumstances of our lives. It doesn't mean flying to Calcutta. You know the famous story of Mother Teresa, right? When this very wealthy businessman came up to her and said, I want to come to Calcutta. I want to serve the poorest of the poor with you. She said, no, just go home and love your family. It's like, dang. Dang so much harder, you know? It's like so much easier to pick lepers off the street than to go home and love our families, right? You're in. You're in in your particular way. We have to be all in. We have to be present. We have to engage in the life that we've been given. Jesus says this, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. There's all these ways that we seek to save our lives. I'll talk about this in the homily, hopefully. At mass, right? We seek to save our lives by escaping from reality of life. Because there's nothing more difficult than getting up every morning and living. There's nothing harder that you will ever do than wake up in the morning, put both feet on the floor, and live and engage the reality that you're living in. And so all these temptations come. And what do the temptations say? Escape your life. Go somewhere else. Don't be all in. Be partly in. Don't be vulnerable. Don't engage. Don't. Takes courage to be in. Takes courage to be in. Guy died and went up to heaven. St. Peter said, I just have one question for you. He said, Have you ever done anything courageous? The man thought about it. He said, Yeah. He said, Actually, I was driving one time through the Badlands of South Dakota. St. Peter said, Yeah, what'd you do? He said, I stopped at a gas station. I saw this gang, motorcycle gang. There's an old woman in the middle, and they had taken her purse, and they were pushing her around. St. Peter said, what'd you do? The guy said, I went up to the leader of the gang. I ripped his earring out of his ear. I pushed him over. I looked at the other gang members. Said, the same thing's going to happen to you if you don't leave her alone. St. <laughs> Peter go, wow, that is courageous. When did that happen? The guy said, about five minutes ago. <laughs> oh, come on. That should have got more laughter. <laughs> the preacher of the paper household's name is Raniero Cantalamesa. He came with John Paul II. And the way that he got named the papal, papal preacher, right? Imagine preaching to the Pope, was one time he was at a papal audience. And the Pope goes around and greets everybody, and Canto Mesa greeted him and greeted him. But something came into Canto heart when John Paul was leaving the aula, and he cried out when John, Pope John Paul was leaving Coraggio! 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 John Paul turned around and said, I need to talk to that priest. Because he, he's got it. i got to talk to that priest. It takes courage to be in. The whole world is asking us not to be in, not to engage. Here's a million different distractions for you. Here's all the ways that you can escape life. Here, just escape. It's so much easier. Just escape until you die. And you'll never really live. You'll never really live. It takes courage to be all in. We've talked about this. Where does courage come from? It comes from two places. It comes from knowing who you are and knowing whose you are. Identity. Courage comes from knowing who you are and knowing whose you are. Who are you? We've said it a thousand times. You're a hit. Beloved. You guys have seen The Lion King? Have you have heard me talk about this before? How many have seen The Lion King? All right. You've all, you're women. Of course you've seen The Lion King. I should, I should talk about Braveheart. How many have seen Braveheart? Okay. <laughs> all right. You're tough women. <laughs> so the movie The Lion King. I don't remember all the characters, but here's the scene that's most important. Simba's the little lion, right? And the little lion, you know, his dad gets killed. Or something. And Simba goes off. Remember, off to that land. It's called Akuta Matata land, right? Or whatever. Akuta Matata. No, no, no. What's Akuta Matata? It's non-reality. Akuta Matata is what you're tempted with. It's what I'm tempted with. Akuta Matata is the escape from our vocation. It's the escape from our duty. That's what Akuta Matata is. It's false peace. I'll go somewhere else. So he goes off to this somewhere else land. It's too hard to engage my husband too hard to engage my kids it's too hard to engage my life it's just too hard i'm out i'm out so he was out and the girl comes up right nala she comes up to him she finds him simba it's so great to see you it's so great to see you too you know it's so nice to see you but simba you should be back with the tribe simba you're the one who's supposed to lead us you got to be back you got to get in get in the game no i can't get in the game i'm not good enough not smart enough, not strong enough, too much going on, too much time, it's too hard. Don't embrace the victim mentality. You're not a victim. It's really important to hear. It's hard sometimes. We're all victims. Why? Because we've all been hurt. But there's a difference between victimhood and victim identity. That's victimhood, but Jesus never embraced the victim identity. I'm a victim. No, I've been hurt, but my hurts don't have to rule my life. I've been wounded, but the wounded healer has healed me. Don't embrace the victim identity. Anytime you start feeling self-pity, run from it. Run from self-pity like it is the plague. Don't wallow in self-pity. There's no... God is not there. God is not there. So he gives all these reasons why he can't... I can't. I can't be all in. Right? So she leaves. Right? And then my favorite character is the monkey guy. Rafiki, I think, or something like that yeah Rafiki comes up Rafiki whacks him on the head sometimes when he'd whacked on the head <laughs> whack hey Father Joe whack you know it's, a, it's what they need, a little whack on the head there get after it oh okay whacks him on the head says you've forgotten your father says oh, I hate to tell you Rafiki but my father's dead wax him again whack <laughs> he ain't dead he's alive he's alive yeah I'll show him to you okay So you remember what happens in The Lion King, right? Rafiki goes and Simba follows him. Is the path easy to find his father? No. Remember how it gets dark and there's vines and it's scary? Going back and starting to live in the truth is scary. Why? Because we've lived in the lies for so long. Living a new way is is scary, we're comfortable with living in the darkness we're comfortable with living in the lie and you know what when you go back home and you live in the confidence of who you are people are gonna oh what happened to sarah what happened to this girl this woman she used to be like this and now she's different yeah i'm different i've been touched by the love of god oh i like the old sarah i like the sarah who was in bondage i like the sarah who lived in darkness because misery loves company i'm enslaved why aren't you enslaved I don't know. Jesus set me free. I don't like that. I wish you'd put your chains back on. No, not going to go back there. So he goes. <laughs> I drank a ton of coffee this morning. <laughs> this is going to be like a 140 minute conference. Sorry. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to try and wrap up. So he goes to that little pool, right? He says, Look in there, you'll find your father. He looks in the pool, says, That's not my father. That's just me. That's just my reflection. <laughs> Wax him on the head again. Stirs up the water, says, Look again. And he sees his father. And then because it's Disney, his father like appears in the clouds, you know? <laughs> he goes out. You remember what the dad says? He says, Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You've forgotten who you are, Simba. Remember who you are. I want you to remember who you are. You are His beloved. You are only defined by Him and His love for you. When I remember who I am, when I don't try and grasp after these false identities, remember what Simba did? He went back. He was all in. He engaged reality and truth. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. He had to go back into really difficult circumstances. But he went back. Remember who you are. And remember whose you are. Who are we? We're his the God, the, king, the great I am, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one who created everything out of nothing and sustains all things in being simply by his will. That's whose we are. We're children of our Heavenly Father. I told this story to the sisters last night. St. Teresa of Avila was sleeping, and the devil hovered about three inches over her in this hideous form. Katie is trying to scare her. She woke up. She saw it was the devil and she went, oh, it's only you. And she went back to bed. She knew who she was. And she knows who she was. Oh, <laughs> it's only you. I thought it was something serious. It's just the devil hovering above my face. <laughs> I'm his. What are you going to do to me? I'm a daughter of the king. My buddy Dave Van Vickel tells a great story. He was the youngest of uh, 10. He is the youngest of 10. And uh, there was a mean dad in the neighborhood where he grew up in Texas. You know the mean dad, like the ball goes into his yard and it's like that ball's gone forever. Like don't go in there. Mean dad, scary dad. Dave wasn't allowed to play with the mean dad's kids, right? One day he played with the mean dad's kids. One of the kids... Took a stick and stuck it in Dave's spoke, flipped him over handlebars, he scratched his face up when he was a little kid, went back to his dad. And his dad was older at this time. He was kind of a, you know, a little bit frail, not a strong guy. And this mean dad was wrong. And he went to his dad. His dad said, What happened? He said, I was playing with the mean dad's kids, and he stuck a spoke. He said, We're going over there. Dave said, That's a bad idea. <laughs> that is a bad idea. <laughs> He said, we're going. So he took Dave, right? And He's walking over there. And Dave said he was going through his mind thinking of his dad's obituary. <laughs> he was a good dad. Loved his children. <laughs> and they walked right up to the doorbell. And they rang the doorbell. And the mean dad came to the door. And the sun blotted out. And Dave was like, oh, you know. And his dad said, Dave, tell him what happened. Dave said, your, your son take a spo- stick on my spoke. And he was hiding behind us. And the mean dad reached through the door, grabbed Dave, turned him around, and said, you look at me, boy, when you're talking to me. And Dave's son, or Dave's dad, got this look in his eye. Dave was like, oh, boy, what's that? And he said, stuck his hand in this other dad's chest. and said, don't you touch my son. And the mean dad wound up. To punch Dave, and again, Dave is thinking, "My dad's dead," you know. And he said, "All of a sudden, his dad turned into a ninja, and he ducked this guy's punch, and boom! Punched him right in the face, knocked the mean dad down, and you could hear him scuttling in there and the locks on the door, and call the police, you know." Dave walked with his chest out back to his house. He said the next morning came the sun was not even up yet and my Dave was out on the front porch like this who wants to play you know <laughs> I'm not advocating violence <laughs> but we got the big dad like we have the dad that's what we're so afraid as christians we got the big dad the big dad defeated the mean dad. And it's not equal. It's not the devil and God are fighting. God is God and there is no other. That's whose you are. Who wants to play? Who want, Nobody can hurt me. I can be totally vulnerable. I might get hurt. I might get killed. It's hilarious in the gospel, as Jesus says, not a hair of your head will be, you know, touched. And then I think about the martyrs, you know, being tortured to death. It's like, what about that? It means the big win. We've won. All we have to do is accept the victory that God has given us. That's who we are and whose we are. That's where courage comes from. Courage is in that place of identity. I got the big dad. I got the big dad. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. you got the big dad. We need a plan, ladies, for reengaging. We need a plan. Remember David and Goliath, right? I'm gonna, I, I'd love to talk about this whole story, but I have like five minutes. Your sisters are like, you had five minutes like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> David faces Goliath. You have Goliaths in your life. I don't know who your Goliaths are, what your Goliaths are. One of my Goliaths is preaching and speaking. I go all over the country preaching and speaking. Sometimes I get really scared and nervous and anxious. That's one of my Goliaths. What's one of your Goliaths? What's your Goliath? The Goliath of life God's asking you to face it. David did not run away. Saul said, who could possibly fight this Goliath? David's like, I'll do it. (laughs) I'll do it. I'll fight him. Because he knew who he was. Goliath had insulted the armies of Israel. David was not going to let that stand. So what did David do? He went down to the wadi, and what did he select? Five stones. You need five stones. Maybe you've heard about this before. David took five stones and he put it in his satchel. He didn't need all the stones. He used one stone to kill Goliath. But he had all five stones. So I want to give you five stones as your plan of life, okay? Here's the five stones that I'm going to recommend. And all the five stones have seven sub points. Just kidding. Here's the first stone. And they're really easy and really simple. Mass every Sunday, no exceptions, go to Mass. Don't not go to Mass. (laughs) You live in California. There's a lot of Catholic churches around. Go to Mass every Sunday. Don't miss. Don't be a person that misses Mass. I don't miss Mass. That's just not what I do, right? I'd get fired. (laughs) And I mean fired. (laughs) So Mass is the first stone. Here's the thing about this. Most of you go to Mass every single Sunday. Don't just go to Mass. Go to Mass. Don't just go to Mass. Go to Mass. Be there. If you go to Mass like you go to watch television, you'll never get anything out of it. Don't just come to Mass. Come to Mass. We all know we can be places without actually being there. When you come to Mass, you come to Mass with a thirsty heart, seeking the Lord. Can you imagine if the Catholics that went to Mass on Sunday, and I know we're at 18% or 20% of Mass. Can you imagine if just us, ladies, if just we came to Mass like this? Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear the Word of God. Maybe it's going to come in an opening prayer. Maybe it's going to come in a psalm. Maybe it's going to come in a homily. You guys are like, yeah, right. Maybe it's going to come in a closing song. Maybe it's going to come in the Eucharistic prayer. God is going to speak to you, and he's going to feed you. Don't just go to Mass, go to Mass. Daily Mass is a game changer. If you're not going to Daily Mass now, I wouldn't suggest by going to Mass every single day, but I'd start working it in. Daily Mass is a total game changer. I don't know if I should say this or not, but I'm going to. I like Daily Mass more than Sunday Mass because it's so simple. Sunday Mass, when I'm preaching, I feel like I have to perform. Daily Mass, I could just love Daily Mass. No music, I just pray. Daily Mass is a game changer. That's the first stone, Mass. Second stone is this, confession. Confession. There's two graces that come from confession. We only, usually only know the first one. We know that confession forgives our sins. The second... I almost stuck my middle finger up at you guys. The second grace that comes at confession is this. It's a renewal of the Holy Spirit in the area that you most need that. It's like a vitamin pill for your soul. We're so obsessed with health right now, right? We're all eating kale. I don't eat kale. No kale going in this mouth. (laughs) It's like bacon. Mm -hmm. It's a vitamin pill for your soul. You get your heart cleaned out, but then you get blasted with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Go to confession once a month, not once a year, certainly not once every five years or three years, Go to confession once a month. I go to confession once every two weeks. You guys are like, because you need it. I know. I need it. Can you imagine how bad of a person I would be if I didn't go to confession once a month? Go to confession once a month. And I know a lot of people say this, right? Say, oh, Father Joe, I'm I'm always confessing the same sins. And I always respond, well, thank God you're not branching out, right? (laughs) Come back to confession. Once a month, make it a habit. If you went to confession once a month, it completely transform your lives. It's like, I'd like that. Okay, just do it. Confession once a month. Daily prayer. Daily prayer. A woman asked Mother Teresa one time, Mother, how long should I pray each day? She said, 15 minutes. Unless you're really, really busy. Then make it a half an hour. Time and prayer is never wasted. The, the, the more that is on your plate, the more you need to spend time in prayer. Get up earlier. Go to bed later. I asked a really holy priest one time. Super holy priest. Might be canonized someday. I asked him, what's the key to a good prayer life? And I thought he was going to like, give me all this like. He said, uh, going to bed on time. And he walked away. I was like, oh, it's true. Go to bed on time. That really helps with a good prayer life. Two main keys to prayer, right? Two main keys to prayer. Commit to daily prayer and know what your plan is and be faithful to it. That's the two keys to prayer. Commit to daily prayer. What are you going to do? Do not leave this retreat without your commitment to daily prayer. If I was trying to run a marathon, I would start by walking around the block. I would not start by trying to run five miles. So if you're not praying daily seriously now, don't start with an hour or an hour and a half. Start with 10 minutes. Start with 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Get a little devotional, the Magnificat, the Word Among Us, a prayer book, right? Maybe you just sit down and pray a decade of the rosary. Prayer is where we remember who we are and whose we are. Prayer is where we remember who we are and whose we are. A decade of the rosary is a wonderful way to spend five minutes. Sisters asked me to tell this story. My buddy John Petrovich was, this is a true story, (laughs) as if I have to say that. My buddy John Petrovich was walking around or jogging around a neighborhood in Pittsburgh called Green Tree. And uh, he saw an ambulance. It was early in the morning. And he, uh, he thought, should I stop? And he thought, no, I'm not a doctor. I don't know anybody here. So he just prayed one Hail Mary, and he kept jogging. One Hail Mary. He didn't think about it. He didn't stop and fold his hands. He just prayed one Hail Mary and kept jogging. Maybe you do that. I always give an ambulance a blessing if I see it. He said the next week, he was jogging around the same neighborhood. And he heard a woman yell out, hey, you, hey, sir. And he said, Father Judge, you kept running, because I didn't know anybody in that neighborhood. She said, no, you, the jogger. He turned around, looked up. There's a woman on the porch. She said, you saved my life. He said, Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am, I don't think we know each other. She said, No, I recognize your face. She said, last week I had a stroke, and I was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance and I was dying. And I was I was about to die, Jesus appeared to me, and he held out his hand, and your face was in the palm of his hand. And he said, You are going to die. But because of the prayer of this man, you're gonna live. That's one how Mary, imagine, imagine the power of prayer. She recognized his face off of the palm of Jesus' hand. That's awesome. That's the power of prayer right there. Commit to prayer. Be faithful to prayer. That's number three. Here's the fourth thing. Retreat every year, every year. I'm so happy that I'm seeing some of you for a second time. Every year, come on this retreat. I don't know. Do you have the dates already, sisters, for next year? Yeah, they got the dates already. Put it in your calendar right now. I'll 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 promise I won't be your retreat master. (laughs) You guys are like, we're taking it every right. Put it in your calendar right now. This is an every year thing for you. Never miss it. What if you're really busy? Should you miss it then? (laughs) Shouldn't miss it then. Come every year and bring people with you. Bring people with you, but don't worry so much about other people. You come, and your life being transformed, what will, that'll be what brings other people. Here's the last thing. Be a woman of gratitude. In praise. That's the fifth stone. Be a woman of gratitude in praise. Gratitude is a game changer. It's not happy people who are grateful, it's grateful people who are happy. You don't get grateful when things go your way, you become happy by practicing gratitude. You live in California. I walked around here. I was just, you, people must have seen me thought I was crazy. These hummingbirds, they are amazing. I was like, it just, <laughs> I was like getting fanned off. It was so close to me. It's, there's so much to be grateful for. Gratitude is a game changer. If you become grateful, it will change your entire life. Why? Because it changes the way that you see the world. And the way that you see the world changes everything. Your whole perspective will change. Think about what you're grateful for your husbands for. It might be hard to come up with. (laughs) Think about what you're grateful to your good friends for. Think about what you're grateful to your families for. Think about what you're grateful to these sisters for. Think about those things. So often we spend so much of our time thinking about what we're mad about. Thinking about what we're upset about. Thinking about what we don't like. Thinking about what's wrong. Thinking about the air conditioning should be more. Thinking about the, this. Gratitude. Gratitude is a total game changer. Nightmares evaporate like mist and sunshine. Fears dissolve and suffering vanishes When the whole human being becomes praise and trust, expectation, gratitude, and hope. Nightmares evaporate like mist and sunshine. That was John John Paul II. So the five stones real quick. Don't just go to Mass, go to Mass. Confession once a month. Daily prayer. Retreat every year. And be a woman of gratitude and of praise. Let me just close with this last little reflection here. This is from the Magnificat years ago by a woman named Jenny Ewing. She says, In the spring, a female robin began to build her nest on our neighbor's porch, within view from our kitchen. My husband, two daughters, and I followed this little bird's journey into motherhood as she patiently and diligently sat on her nest for weeks without much respite. Finally, her eggs hatched and the full-time feeding frenzy began. My oldest daughter, Felicity, squealed in delight as the fluffy baby robins stretched their necks and opened their beaks for food. Mama and Daddy Robin were rotating the feeding schedule, and we were privy to the details that God provided for us. Within two weeks, the four young robins, spotted and red-breasted, seemed eager to fly. They practiced flapping their wings, and the girls and I were certain on a few occasions that we'd witnessed their departure from the nest. Suddenly, the birds were gone, and we'd missed the entire pivotal moment. Later that day, I saw a quote that reminded me of the family of robins. What if I fall? Oh, dearest but what if you fly? The Robin family reminded me of my own vocation, waiting, learning, changing, letting go. Everything in our lives has the potential to evoke fear or hope in us. We may fall, but we may fly. What we risk by trusting God during the growth spurts of life is what we gain in heaven. If we don't step into the unknown and risk failure, we will never know if we can fly. Don't be afraid to fly. Don't be afraid to fly. The Lord has given you all that you need. Father, we thank you and praise you for our time together. Our hearts are open. Continue to bless us. Grant us the gift of true courage through the intercession of your saints who when you called them to be in and engage fully in the particulars of their lives, they said yes. Give us the grace through the intercession of the saints and especially of our Blessed Mother to be all in to be disciples of great, great courage so that at the end of our lives, when we come before you, we would hear from you, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.